Obviously, tomorrow is Anzac Day. And it's a day that we celebrate, um, or, or remember, I should probably say, the soldiers who served, who went before us, um, and the many that did not return. But peace is something that we all desire. Peace is talked about, but it's not given freely. Often peace has to be fought for or earned. And for the simple reason that there is, unfortunately, there's evil in the world, is the very same reason that sometimes you need to fight for peace. And as long as there is evil in this world, there will always be conflict. Hebrews 12.1, it says, Therefore, since we have such a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangled us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Everything that we have, everything that we have in this country, is because someone went before us. Someone went before us and fought for it. Some went before us and came up with the concept. Someone went before us and paved the way for us to walk in it. We enjoy the benefits because others struggled. Others overcame. And the truth is, others will benefit from our struggle and our circumstances. Others will benefit from the way that we pave. Hopefully, our kids will have a better life than we did. They will know and understand more than we ever did. And Anzac Day is a day that we put aside to remember those who fought for our liberties and the many who did not return home. I have a brother who serves. I know my son is intrigued with the whole process of it. But it's important to remember that, you know, like even the start of where Anzac Day came from, from World War I, that there were many who actually lied about their age to fight. Many who went over there were 16 and 17-year-olds, willing to put their life on the line, or even maybe they didn't understand it pro- properly, to fight for this country. A recent poll was asked to young people, this is a little bit concerning for me. And they were asked if we as a country of Australia were put in the same position as Ukraine right now. They were asked if they would stay or where they would fight or leave the country. Now I'm going to go through some stats and some percentages, which sounds terribly exciting, but it's important to understand. It says overall, 46% said that they would stay and fight. 28% said they would leave the country. But if you go to the younger respondents who were likely to say that they would leave, only 32% of those aged between 18 and 24 said that they would stay, and 40% said that they would leave. 35% of those aged between 25 to 34 said that they would stay, while 38% said that they would leave, and the rest were unsure. One veteran who's very outspoken at the moment says the troubling, the troubling findings show a lack of a higher purpose holding this country together. We have been so richly blessed that we do not even understand the sacrifices made of those one before us. We have not experienced war. We have not really experienced recession, even though they have labelled recession. 
we have not experienced the same struggles as the generations that have gone before us. And so in it, we can become complacent. We don't appreciate this country as, as it is. And there are many who don't, unfortunately. But I can tell you that if this country was invaded, I would put up my hand to defend it. And that what we actually need as a people is a higher purpose. We need a higher purpose in our lives, not just, just to exist. And our higher purpose can't be for selfish ambition, so I can drive the latest vehicles and have the biggest house. But we need a higher purpose that is bigger than us. Now, the good thing is that God gives individuals a higher purpose. And there is a great character in the Bible that I'm going to start talking about soon where God gave them a higher purpose. Some of you would have heard of this character. Some of you don't even know who it is. But his name is Gideon. And Gideon is found in the book of Judges. And the reason why the book of Judges is named by the book of Judges is because it labels the judges who were placed over Israel before they were kings. Men and women were tasked with the job of judging rights and wrongs and situations and, and arguments that might come up, which stems right back to the days of Moses when his father-in-law told him, you need to put people in position to look after the hundreds, the thousands, and the tens of thousands. Because if you don't, you will simply burn out. But the story of Gideon has so many corresponding principles that we need to apply today, that we need to know that are vital to our existence. The story of Gideon sees Gideon free Israel from tyranny, from oppression, from the Midianites. God calls a warrior to fight, to stand. God calls a man to be a warrior even before he saw himself as a warrior. And the whole story starts at verse 1. And it goes like this, and then it says, The sons of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord gave them into the hands of the Midian seven years. God will often use circumstances to get our attention. And everything that God does is centered, empowered by relationship. Means that he is after relationship with us and that he will use the circumstances around us that take place based upon those around us as well and those who are in power to cause us to come back. And when people step away from God, or when they drift God pursues them like a father. And the best way to understand how he pursues them is to read the story of the prodigal son. Because God represents the father of the prodigal son. And in the story, the father waits. Waits and longs for his son to return. And when his son returned, he gathers him up and puts the cloak on him, gives him a brand new ring, and praises the fact that he is home. 
Israel was oppressed, seriously oppressed by the Midianites. And God uses the Midianites as a catalyst to cause them to come back. Now the Midianites find their origin in what we call the Ishmaelites. And the Ishmaelites originated from Ishmael. And Ishmael is the illegitimate child of Abraham. That is when Abraham decided to fulfill the God's purpose through his wife's maid. And Ishmael was the result. A lack of order in Abraham's life produced Ishmael. And it's a lack of order that plagues Israel even today throughout their history because of a lack of order. We find Gideon beating out the wheat in a wine shed to save it from the Midianites. Simply because during the harvest time, the Midianites would steal the grain and burn the fields so they couldn't have it and so the Midianites could. And God calls Gideon to a higher purpose at this point. Now when we walk with a lack of order, even in a matter to preserve life or survival, God looks to restore order in our lives. And Gideon is acting out of order in this situation because he is in the wine shed, beating out the grain. And if you don't understand, you would take grain. If you've ever seen grain, it looks like big tall grass. And you would beat it till the seed came out because the seed once crushed is where you get flour from. And he was beating out the wheat in the wine shed. He is out of order. He is out of place. And God looks to establish order and bring things back to where they want to or where they should be. But God always requires someone to lead the way. God uses people to do his working. Imagine for a second that you're a gardener. And then she worked hard all summer, all spring, to make the garden produce abundantly. But every year, just before you're about to harvest, your neighbor swoops on in, takes all your produce away by force. And if you can imagine that scenario, then you can hold some idea the suffering the Jews experienced at that point in time. And this happened for seven years before Gideon was called to action. And that is why Gideon was found in the wine shed beating out the grain, simply because he needed something to eat. What's interesting is that God calls a farmer to deliver his people. God calls a farmer to be a warrior. And this is where it begins to become a little bit more interesting because in verse 12 of Judges 6, it says, The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, O valiant warrior. It's important to understand and to take note how God calls Gideon a warrior. Even before Gideon was a warrior. Even before Gideon had ever picked up a sword and had to learn how to fight, God says, 
O valiant warrior. We can often not understand what God has placed in us until we have to use it. God prophetically calls Gideon to purpose. But notice how God speaks. He says, the Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. Before even revealing purpose, he says, the Lord is with you. See, there is always a connection before purpose. A promise. God always gives a promise before purpose. And in this story, he's sitting there, oh, the Lord is with you. If I put it to this time, it's, you know what? The Lord is with you. Oh, valiant warrior, the Lord is with you. Now you have to ask the question, what else do you need? I have a really important question to ask you. And this is something that we realistically all need to answer. What does God say over you? How does he see you? What promise has already been said over your life? And then what purpose has he spoken over you? Or what purpose does he speak over you? Or are you even in a position to receive the purpose yet? Because Gideon went a long part of his life before he was called to purpose. And some of that process that takes place in his life is about positioning. Like at what point did Gideon have to be in position in order to be called O Valiant Warrior and to accept the call? He suffered seven years under the Midianites, gathering wheat, running into the wine shed, beating it out to collect the grain so him, he could eat. How much oppression do we need to actually go under before we go, do whatever you want to do? What does God say of you? How does God actually see you? Have we gathered up the lies? Because when the Israelites were oppressed under the Midianites, they had forgotten the decades, the centuries where God interacted with those people. He had forgotten because this is actually taking place in the promised land, right? This is the land that they had already fought everybody in it to actually gain it because God said, this is your land. And they are in the promised land, now being oppressed by the Midianites because they let him. And now we come to this part where we get this conversation between Gideon and God. Now, if you haven't worked out by now, if you try and have a conversation with God and you're trying to convince him of something you will lose. But in verse 13, it says, Then Gideon said to me, sent to him, meaning the angel of the Lord, he said, O my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened? Where are all the miracles which our fathers told us about? Saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? 
But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hands of the Midians. Gideon said, hang on, I can't see you move. I've heard about it. I've, I remember the promises. I've probably seen the tapestries. I've read the book. I've seen the movie. But I haven't seen the miracle take place. You've, bet- you've left us, God. Oh, my Lord, if you're really with us, where are these things taking place? We can be so fixated on a miracle or an expectation of a miracle that we can miss God's actual working. Gideon's sitting there talking to God, trying to, trying to I know you're real, otherwise I'm talking to nobody. Right? I'm having a conversation with myself and I'm arguing with myself. Right? I know you're real. I've heard the stories, but I can't see you. I can't see you move. And then God answers Gideon. The Lord looked at him, probably went, shook his head. Go. In this, your strength, and deliver Israel from the hand of Midian, have I not sent you? When God says something, he doesn't need to repeat it. When you're looking or when you can't hear God because you're asking him a question, perhaps the reason why you can't hear God is because he has already said it or he has already given you the answer. And if he's already given you the answer, he doesn't need to keep repeating you. Think of it as a parent, right? How many times do you have to say, go clean your room before you get sick of saying, go clean your room? How many times does God have to say the same old thing before we go, Oh, I'll believe you now. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, that's good now. Oh, okay, you convinced me. And this is why we need to read the Word. There are so many different reasons why we need to read the Word, but one of them is so, when we have a situation, we can go, oh, hang on, you know what? It says in His Word... That's why it's called His Word, because He's already spoken it. He's already said it in His Word. I don't need to go and wait upon the Lord to get His answer because He's already spoken. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying don't wait upon the Lord. I'm saying sometimes we wait upon the Lord for the wrong thing. God's not speaking to me. Yeah, He is. God's saying, I have called you. And I will do it through you. Now we have the luxury, and it is a luxury, that if so many people have gone before us, so many believers have gone before us, so many have paved the way that they wrote this good book. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12, it says, there is a great cloud of witnesses. That means there is a history that is longer than your arm, that goes back thousands of years of people walking with God. And the best way to understand is the person who they walked with is to read his book. But Gideon doesn't have the luxury of having a book. He has the luxury that his fathers and his grandfathers 
told him what had happened. Hence why he gives that answer to God. He says, but you've done this and I've heard the miracles and you did this and you did this and this. But where are you now? And God's response to him is, go in your strength. Deliver Israel. Have I not sent you? What else do you need? I'm with you. I am with you, O valiant warrior. (coughs) Do you want the plan? Because if you want the whole plan, where's the faith? Like when we came out and started this church, I did not have the plan. I had the first step. Go. And it's the same situation with Gideon. Sometimes we don't move because we're expecting a book from God. This is what you do. This is what you wear. Have your hair like this. Speak like this. Here's your first message. Right? There'll be this person. He'll come and talk to you. Say this to them. They will go weak at the knees. Everything will work out. It doesn't work like that. God wants faith. God wants us to stand and go, you know what, God? I have no idea what I'm doing. Because it's relationship. Faith requires relationship step. Faith goes, you know what, God? I know you're real. I know you've done this in the past. I have no idea if you'll catch me. Move. God doesn't give you the recipe of everything. He goes, this is the recipe. Here's the title. Through the next 50 years, you'll get all the ingredients and how to do it. Go. Because he wants us to go in that place of just simple trust. I trust you, God. Right? Because if you have the plan, if you have everything stored up, ready to go for what you need to do, where's the trust? Where's the turning to God and saying, God, I need you? Where's that point of, like we talked about um, two weeks ago, God, save us now. Where's the point of, God, I need you. God, I need the answer. God, where do I do this? Where's the seeking if you have it all? Where's the desperation if you have all the answers? Like if you had a million dollars in your back pocket, where's the desperation going, God, I need to follow your principles. God, I need breakthrough in my life. How can I sow seed? How can I see you move financially? You're like, I'm sweet. Because what happens is when we don't have to fight for something, complacency come in. When we don't have to go through hardship, complacency comes in. It's why there are so many young people in our country, I'm not talking about these, little, these kids, but teenagers who are like, war, see ya. Because they don't understand that there, there were 16 and 17 year olds who fought in the mud and died there. There are so many people that have lost their life so that we could sit in these lovely chairs in air conditioning, right? Do you know how close we came to speaking a completely different language? Like, I don't know how to measure it, but it was close. And what stopped us from speaking another language was a bunch of (laughs) ill-equipped, 
red tag, bunch of teenagers who fight in one of the hardest conditions that most people who have all the equipment can't finish. And it happened in PNG on the Kokoda track. When you read the story of what those young men and yeah, so young men did, outnumbered by the Japanese forces who were completely equipped, and these guys didn't have enough bullets, and they trenched 96 kilometers over the most grueling track, that people today pack up all their gear, and they had the latest mod cons and trained for years to accomplish and still can't finish the Kokoda track. And these troopers were carrying their mates on stretchers who were shot up, didn't have enough ammo. Water? What was that? Food? That's a luxury. And fought back the Japanese. Because if that Kokoda track process did not happen, right, the gateway to this country would have taken place. And we would have all been speaking Japanese. And that is a reality. This is not a time to be complacent in our awesomeness of our life or the luxuries that we take place. And when God is talking to Guinea, he said, I've called you. I will do it through you. And what did Gideon do? He does what most of us do. He gives excuses. He gives excuses why he shouldn't go. He gives reasons or excuses, whatever you want to call them, of why not to process. And he says, he said to him, O Lord, how shall I deliver Israel? Behold, my family is the least in Manasseh. And I am the youngest in my father's house. That means he was saying this. Uh, my family is like nobodies. We've never done anything. And I'm the youngest. And I got no, no idea. We got, we got no hope. You've chosen the wrong person. I'm, I got a hundred different things I can say. Because we often will resort to talking about excuses. And we will talk ourselves out of action. We will find something and go, oh, I can't. Oh, pull the hammy. Right? I can't sing. I can't play the triangle. Well, I can understand that. It's a pretty difficult instrument to play correctly. The truth is, we much prefer to escape, to run. And there is an escape mentality where the first instinct is to escape rather to stand. We use these excuses as a vehicle to escape rather than find a purpose in standing. And excuses are lies wrapped up in a parcel that look like excuses or look like reason, but they're not. They're just lies. They're lies that we tell ourselves are the reason why we can't do something. God responds. And I always love it when God responds in His Word. 
Not when he responds necessarily always to me when I'm trying to talk to him. But God never responds based on status. Never responds based on your current position or where you've been through. But on purpose. And in verse 16 it says, But the Lord said to him, Surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat the Medians as one man. If you've ever read this story, you can find patterns in it. Gideon is looking up, but I am the smallest, I can't go. And God's going, I've just told you to go. God never actually feeds the excuses that Gideon gives. He never feeds the reasoning behind the excuses that Gideon gives. You can, you can argue with God all you like, but you will lose. In the end, he'll pull a Jonah on you. Oh, you've got this lovely house with a vine that grows over it. Oh, I'll cause a worm to eat it. And slowly, he'll remove. That's my blessing. It's my favor in your life. I'll take that away, and I'll take that away, and I'll take away. And I'll start showing you exactly what you've earned by yourself. So you were born for greatness. But the greatness in you is not greater than the one who put it there. And this story when you look at it from a small or a micro position or even a macro position or even a maximum position, there are four doubts that God has to deal with before Gideon actually comes to the point of action. Four. And the first one is, does God really care about us? The Lord does not permit his children to sin, successful, uh, sin successfully. God is not a permissible parent who allows his children to do as they please it's his ultimate purpose that that he might be that we might be conformed to the image of christ and the father wants to be able to look at each member of his spiritual and family and say this is my beloved child in whom i am well pleased chastening correction discipline is evidence of God's hatred of sin and his love for his people. He goes further and he starts talking about that you can't be a son unless you're corrected. The second doubt. Does God know what he's doing? The answer is simply yes. He does. Gideon's first response was to question God's concern for his people. But then he questions God's wisdom in choosing him to be the nation's deliverer. Why have you done this, God? Why have you chosen me? If you keep questioning God and what he does, you'll find yourself backed into a corner with nowhere to go. And God's response in verse 12 to 14 and 14 should have given Gideon all the assurance he needed 
I'll be with you. I'll go before you. But he wouldn't believe God's word. The third doubt. Will God really take care of me? God was planning to deliver Israel. But Gideon was trembling at the thought of being named leader of the army. Knowing Gideon was still afraid, God assigned Gideon a task right here at home to show him that he would see him through. See, the truth is we actually need to practice our faith at home. It's why we give opportunities in the church. It's not so we can punish you. It's not so you can have something else to do. It's so you can practice your faith. So you can actually grow and learn. God gives Gideon, right? So he's, he's had all the excuses from Gideon, right? Gideon's half in. Maybe. And God gives him, says, okay, just finish this task. Let me show you I'm with you. And as Gideon finishes the small little task in his hometown, he begins to believe. And that's why we have opportunities in the church to serve or be a part of the church, be connected to the church. It's so you can grow some faith and believe, oh, God is with me. God helps me. It's the little situations of having to deal with problems and I don't know what to do. Hang on, God, what do I do? Oh, there's the answer. That we learn to grow and develop so we can move out. It's like the situations in your home life. It's why why everything in your home is so much like everyone else's things in their home. And it's not like, oh yeah, they were born with the information. They got a better position than I did. And I've got to be honest with you, I hate this concept of white privilege. It's a load of rubbish, right? Because it's not white privilege. It's intelligence. And it's not like white people are more intelligent than the other people. It all comes down to oppression and which you, which you li- decide to live within and which one you decide to accept and which one you decide to reject. But we give opportunities so somebody can grow and develop and, 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 and believe. At the start of the year, we did a prayer, prayer night, a prayer morning. Right? After church, four o'clock, boom, prayer. Right? We were praying and believing. Prophetic words were given. We gave opportunities for other people to step up and say, oh, I'll have a crack. Right? They're the room. That's the room for you to have an opportunity to grow and develop and increase in your faith. Right? Join the music team. It'll increase your level of how to, how to worship. Or what will that do? Oh, that's a great question to ask. Because when you increase your level of worship, you increase your level of being able to get closer to God and open up yourself to Him. Which is a necessary tool in order to go further. Oh, yeah, but I have no ambition to have full-time ministry. Yeah, but you have ambition to have a job. You have ambition to have a, a position in your job. Why can't you be the very best at what you do? Why can't we have billionaires in the church that have multi, I don't know how many businesses that are functioning really well and it's just not because I'm highly gifted. 
It's because they sought God for the answer. The fourth doubt that God had to crush in Gideon. Does God keep his promises? See, it was time for Gideon to act. And the Spirit of God gave him wisdom and power. All that he could ever need. And the answer to the question is, yes, he does keep his promises. Because when you read the end of the story, or maybe you read the end of the story before you start the story, you come to the point that God actually liberates the Israelites from the Midianites. And by memory, I think there's 50,000 Midianites. And when they actually take them on, Gideon, sorry, God actually weans down the army of the Israelites to 300. That's a boat of confidence, isn't it? He thought he was going to have trouble at 30,000. And God's response to Gideon was, that's too many. There's too many. 30,000 against 50,000. You still have too many. And everything logical in our humanity says, no, 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 no. No, it's not enough. I need, I, need, I need more chariots. I need more tanks. More artillery rounds. Actually, you know what, God, can you just give me a nuke? And God weans down the Israelites till there's 300 dudes. And there's 300 dudes from the Israelites who are going to take on 50,000 Midianites. The odds are not in your favor through your own humanity. But God is not interested in you working in your own humanity. There's a passage of scripture in Zechariah 4.6. I always get those mixed up. And then he said to me, this is the word of the Lord. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. What was going to take place through Gideon was not by the might and the power of an army. But by the Spirit of God moving through Gideon to conquer the bigger, greater army. Don't find excuses. Don't look for an escape. You need to realize you're called. There is a purpose in you, and it's bigger than just existence. If the same Spirit who raised Christ from the dead lives within you, what else do you need? Because it's not by power and it's not by might and it's but my spirit, says the Lord. See, when Jesus died on the cross and he rose again three days later, he rose again to conquer the flesh. He rose again to conquer your humanity. And so everything that happens within the kingdom of God is not in our own humanity. It's not by might. It's not by strength. It's not by this flesh. 
It's not by how big your muscles are. It's not how big your head is and how much, or how much education. It's but by his spirit because he can call anybody. He can call the weakest Perkin of the weakest family of the weakest tribe. And he can use them who's, who's not even trained in this process, who's a farmer, and go, you know what, you're a mighty warrior. And I'll be with you and I'll go with you and I'll walk through this whole process with you. But all I need you to do is to trust me. And that whole process of Gideon going, oh, okay. And God had to break the doubt that Gideon was walking in, oh, it can't be me, it's not me, oh, it's not good enough, I'm not good enough, I'm not smart enough. I don't know what to say, good, because it means you need him. I don't know how to do it, good, because it needs you need him. I don't know how to do that, I don't, good, because it means you need him. God has great expectations upon you. Great expectations for purpose. And when he puts purpose in you, I guarantee you, guarantee you, I could bet everything I got on it, I will guarantee it straight up. It is bigger than what you can think and imagine. It's bigger than the purpose that you even can... I might be able to um, turn up church. It's bigger. I might be able to play triangle. It's bigger. I might be able to, I don't know, teach kids church. It's bigger. But God doesn't give you the end result at the beginning process. He didn't give the answer to Gideon of how he was going to do it at the process because what God needed in Gideon was, I just need you to surrender, buddy. I just need you to say, yeah, I'll do it. I got no idea how to do it. And the whole story of Gideon and God's journey to defeat the Midianites and release the Israelites from the oppression was this journey of Gideon trusting God. I got to break you. I got to break that doubt. And then I begin to show you the plan. And as you step out the plan, you realize, oh my gosh, I need you more. I need you more and more and more because this plan is bigger than what I can imagine. Because that's how God works. You don't know the full story yet. You haven't even comprehended it yet. You can't even imagine it yet. But God has put it inside of you. God has literally gone, all right, I'm going to put this, this whole big plan. You've got to imagine I'm God right now, so I'm bigger than you, right? And I'm going to, boom, stick it in you. You are bursting with potential. You are overflowing, expanding with potential. And the good thing is, it's not by might. It's not by power, but it is by the Spirit of God that brings forth, that breathes forth that purpose into reality. But right now, God has got to remove the doubt. Because the doubt is stopping you. That doubt is prohibiting you. That doubt is stopping you from stepping. Go, okay, God, I'll do it. Because the moment you say, yes, Lord, I'll do that, it only begins. But the good thing is, He never leaves you. He never forsakes you. He never calls you to a place that He has not already been, that He will not go with you, and that He not will, will not be walking there with you and he will not have the, not, not have not the answers. It 
just gotta believe. Gotta believe, people. Gotta believe. And it doesn't matter your circumstances. It doesn't matter your background. It doesn't matter what you've gone through. Right? It just doesn't matter. Oh, 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 yeah. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. God will use it. God will use it. God will use it because he loves taking someone who's, who thinks they're downcast or that everyone's ridden off. Oh, yeah, no, 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 no. Don't use them. Because that's who the disciples were. I'm going over time, but just, just stay with me for one second, right? I mean, the disciples were literally called unschooled, untrained men of Galilee. And when you translate the words that were actually spoken, they were called ignorant. You don't use them. They're nobodies. They're scum. I mean, three of them were, four of them were fishermen. They stunk like fish all the time. You don't reach people with people who have the latest CK fish deodorant. You don't use people who smell like fish to reach people. Unless you want to reach fishmen. But he goes, no, no, no. I'll take the rejects or the people that you think are rejects because I'll make them to change the world. That's what God's Spirit does. He takes nobodies and he goes, boom! And people are like, where did that person come from? Where did that person come from? So it doesn't matter your story. Because it doesn't matter what someone else did to you, what someone else said to you. It only matters what he says about you and the purpose he's put in your life. Because nothing else matters. You are called to purpose. And it's time to believe. It's time to grab hold and say, you know what, God, this is, I believe. I'm called. I'm destined. Let's make it a reality. Because the people that you meet are the ones that you affect. Stop looking at your past. Stop living in fear. It's time to live in faith. Father, I speak life in the purposes that you have placed in people, in the purposes that you have instilled in people. Father, I take the sword of the Spirit and I cut away all the rubbish, all the excuses, and I speak life. I speak your word. I speak the name of Jesus into people. I speak the name of Jesus into our purposes, Father, that we would believe, that we would act, that we would do, not by might, not by power, but by your spirit. That your hunger and your uh, thirst for you would just increase. Would just increase. That you'd meet us where we're at and you would just increase. That she would increase and we would decrease. 
Bless your people, Father. Bless them this weekend. Bless them this week as they go about all the things that you've got planned for them or that they will encounter this week. Remind them. Remind them, Father, of all the good things that you've done and that you will do. Remind them of the great cloud of witnesses that have gone before them. Remind them that you are still here, that you are the same God yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Father, we speak life into their purposes, their, your plans of their lives. We speak life into their futures, all of ours. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.